Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Feminist, a podcast for feminists of the future. Today we're not your average feminist, but tomorrow we will be. I'm Sarah Curran. I'm Amanda. I'm Christina. This week, we're going to be talking about conservatism, but don't worry, we're not going to bore you. Um, We just want to give you all a background on why we are conservative, because we feel it's really important in an era where words and definitions get so skewed to know exactly where we're coming from. Um, So we're going to go around, talk a little bit about what conservatism means to us, and um, talk about some of the more obvious misconceptions of what conservatism is. Um, What's the difference between conservatism and a Republican or any other party leanings? And let's just get right into it. Amanda. I can start. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'll be honest. When you first brought this topic um, to me, Sarah, I was very skeptical. (laughs) (laughs) My initial reaction was like, why would we do an episode on defining conservatism? We're not trying to bore people here. (laughs) (laughs) Or convert Um, people. (laughs) Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, So I was a little skeptical, but the more we talk about it, the more I think you made a good point, which was um, we are, you know, offering ourselves up as an alternative to the progressive feminist movement. And so it behooves us to explain exactly, like, where we're coming from and what we think. And... um, for the purposes of this episode or this podcast, really, we're, you know, we're, we have taken on the label of small C conservative. And so uh, I, I do think it's, it's a good idea for us to explain that a little bit. Um, so our listeners know what we believe in um, and why. So I guess I'll just start um, by talking about what conservatism means to me. And I'll be honest, um, also, I was tempted to just, like, do a deep dive into, you know, Edmund Burke and John Locke and Russell Kirk and William F. Buckley. I was like, I got to read all these guys and, like, totally understand, like, the tradition in America of conservatism. (laughs) Um, And very quickly got overwhelmed. I haven't read a lot of that stuff since college, (laughs) um, to be honest, but... Uh, so I didn't do that. And so I'm, I like, I don't want to just like regurgitate, um, a lot of these philosophers and thinkers, even though they're amazing. And, um, you know, you should definitely go read some Edmund Burke if you haven't already. But, um, to me, conservatism means embracing a core set of principles. Um, and I'll go through this like very, very small list I made. And um, a lot of it, I have to give credit to um, Andrew Sullivan, who wrote a really excellent essay that appeared in New York Magazine last fall. Um, and so I ripped, uh, honestly, like I'll, I ripped a lot of my points from the, his essay and I'm going to put it in show notes. And so all credit goes to him. Um, but these core principles uh, that, that I think really define conservatism for me are um, an embrace of free market capitalism, number one. Um, number two, uh, protecting the freedom of the individual against the powers of the state. Um, and that also kind of goes back to why we defend the American Revolution so much and why it's such a core part of a conservative's identity, um, because the revolution was all about protecting individuals against the whims of the monarch. 
in Great Britain. Um, so that's it, it kind of all ties together. So it's really important um, to talk about protecting the individual rights against um, a growing government and a growing state. So that's number two. Number three, um, I think you have to embrace the importance of an autonomous civil society independent of government in- institutions. And to me, um, what that means is looking less to the government to tell you how to live your life and embracing your local community, local institutions, local organizations, your church, your schools, your local charities, um, um, a family unit, uh, I think falls into that. It, it's everything about our society that is apart from a central national government. And I think the stronger an, that civil society, the better. And I think that's a core tenet of conservatism. At least it is for me. Um, so that's number three. Number four, an embrace slash respect for tradition as a shared knowledge that shouldn't just be discarded. Um, by shared knowledge, I also mean like a, a handed down wisdom. So traditions, um, morals, um, key things that have been passed on through generations. Um, I think embracing that or at least having a respect for those things um, is very important. And what that doesn't mean is being resistant to change or progress, um, but it does mean acknowledging things like, you know, stable families are better for a society or um, children being raised uh, by two parents is generally better for society. And and we can go through more examples, but that's basically the gist, um, embracing tradition that has been passed down through generations. Um, and then, so that's number four. Number five for me would be a uh, core tenant, um, maybe the top one, um, is the best kind of government is limited government and the U.S. Constitution should be preserved and protected. And, you know, a lot of you might be thinking that goes without saying, but today um, we have to say it. So, um, you know, every individual has the right and the freedom or should have the freedom to pursue um, their own life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the bigger government gets, the more intrusion there is, the bigger um, the government gets in the way, the less you're able to pursue your own interests and your rights and, and live um, unencumbered by the state. So I think that one is probably the most important um, for various reasons that we can get into um, later on this episode. But that's my core list of, of what conservatism means to me. And um, if you open to discussion or disagreements or, or what have you. But, um, you know, it's something that I think for all of us is really personal. And, uh, you know, a lot of this, and, and my biggest takeaway also is that, you know, conservatism is something that's incredibly difficult to define, which is partly why I was getting so overwhelmed trying to read through all these texts this week and basically just gave up and, and you know, said, like, I need to figure out what it is for me and I can, you know, we can all look for guidance from Burke and Locke and, um, you know, all these great writers. But ultimately, ultimately, uh, this is what it means for me. And it's it's basically just about the freedom to live your life um, without interference from the state. To sum it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was very academic. <laughs> yeah. I just I didn't want to sound academic, but like that's you know, that's where I went with that. So uh 
Professor Elliot. Never over here. <laughs> um, no, yeah. I, I think that's really good. And actually, um, of all of my friends, you've always been so well read when it came to all of these different conservative these scholars. Days. So I knew you were going to bring the thunder <laughs> when it came to um, all of all of the tenets of conservatism. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to jump in on there because that's that's not exactly my style. My style of conservatism. I agree with no, everything. Yeah. I agree with everything you just said, but I would never describe it that way. But Christina, I think. I think you and I share a more uh, similar style. Do you want to give us your take? Yeah. I mean, I found this great quote. Ronald Reagan in 1975 said, um, I believe the heart and soul of conservatism is libertarianism. I oh, my describe- goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I would describe oh myself my as a uh, conservative, conservative libertarian or libertarian conservative, however you would want to put it together. I wouldn't say that I fall into all of the libertarian aspects because I do believe in certain things that they do not believe in. Um, but I'm also, you know, very socially liberal. Um, and then fiscally conservative, I'm a big, big fan of free market, you know, free market, um, principles. Um, I don't believe in corporate welfare. Um, you know, I don't like the ideas on tariffs, things like that. Um, a lot of what our government right now is doing is not traditionally conservative at all. We're way too big. I take the mindset of Ron Swanson, government should be basically nothing. <laughs> um, I don't disagree with Ron. No. I mean, all. I know that they, they wrote that character to be, to make fun of libertarians and conservatives. But in reality, but, they're all like, yes. Yeah, it was something very, very relatable but I also feel like people in our generation probably relate more with somebody that is more socially liberal mm-hmm. um, and but more fiscally responsible. Not even, I shouldn't say responsible because I'm not saying people that aren't conservative aren't responsible with their finances, but mm-hmm. don't necessarily believe in um, like the same free market principles. They do believe in, I don't believe in gov- big government programs like social security or mm-hmm. welfare, things like that. Um, I feel like they're too much of a crutch and it'd be much better if people could get off of it and not cost our economy so much so that, you know, our government isn't in trillions of dollars of debt. Yeah, no, I agree. (laughs) But when it comes down to like, you know, other aspects of it, like legalization of marijuana, like marriage things. So like I said in last week's episode, the Gillette ad, I didn't find to be any bit triggering whatsoever. I just really don't care at all mm-hmm. what companies are doing. I felt the ad was, you know, heartwarming to a sense and the idea of tearing down masculinity. I didn't get it. And I also don't care what they do. It's how they want to spend their money and you know, whatever. That's fair. That's totally fair. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I like to consider myself like very libertarian leaning as well. And I feel like anytime a conservative brings up the whole, tradition thing it automatically sparks like this you know spidey sense among libertarians like oh my goodness this is the social conservative in you coming out and like i hate it and and i totally get that response because you know there are a lot of conservatives who do take it really far into the extremes but to me like and i touch on this a little bit but like talking about Mm -hmm. shared knowledge and traditions and having a respect for it doesn't mean that you know i 
and this like social conservative warrior who doesn't want to see any change or any mm-hmm. like progress be made. Like to the contrary, actually, I think pro- like most progress is a good thing. We've this country has seen a lot of progress in the last hundred years, fifty years even, and it's all been good and and um, just led to a better and more vibrant country. So. Um, it's just, you know, I think it, it has more to do, at least in my mind, with things like um, what are facts, what is real, what is not real. Like, you know, can we just all agree that, you know, the sky is blue and just because you're a progressive and you want to argue that it's purple, like it's not, you know, mm-hmm. like that that's a dumb example, obviously. But does that make sense at yeah. all? Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately, I think we all would probably believe that, like, the Constitution is, like, basically guiding principles, kind of like the Ten mm-hmm. Commandments or the Bible. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, yeah. It, at least for Americans, it's the the way we should be living our lives. These are the freedoms that we are, you know, mm-hmm. we are able to have. I mean, and the fact that people want to go and, like, I, I mean, I'm a firm believer in the Constitution. But people wanting to go and change the Constitution really bugs well, yeah, and and it, here's a good example too that I just thought of. Um, Beto O'Rourke did an interview at the Washington Post recently, and he said in his interview, and again I'll put this in show notes, but he said in his interview that he questioned whether the U.S. Constitution can continue to be the framework for this country going forward. That like he said he wasn't sure, like he didn't have an answer, and that to me is concerning on many many levels. One of which being that I believe the Constitution you know, should be preserved and protected and is the guiding force behind a limited government, but also because I respect tradition, a lot of tradition. And because to me, the using the constitution as the foundation of our, of our government is a tradition that has been passed down through generations and generations and generations. Um, and to just discard that goes against in my mind, what conservatism is. Yeah, and yeah. when people, let, let's use the Beto example. Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, that he he makes these statements, and those are terrifying mm-hmm. statements. Let's just throw out the baby with the bathwater kind yeah. of stuff. We've only created the greatest civilization the world has ever seen, the richest, most prosperous people mm-hmm. um, among the masses. But like, let's question how we got here. Yeah, it, like so that's. And that, and I think that's one of the biggest problems with liberalism is just like, like you said, they want to throw out the baby with the bathwater and a conservative, I think any, anyone under the conservative umbrella would be like, whoa, hold up. Like this country isn't perfect and there are things that we need to work on, but that doesn't mean we have to trash our founding document. Yeah. You know, and so and what makes you so smart that you can figure that out <laughs> I know. any better? The, the founders of the country gosh, like I need to do a lot more historical reading. You probably have more, <laughs> more up to speed on me than this, but uh, um, just learning about like top level, the education of the founders and how much debate and rigorous study they mm-hmm. did for the, uh, the millennia that came before us. Um, they read all the best political science teachers and arguments and they mm-hmm. debated what is the best form of government Um it's really amazing that yeah. what they did hobble together has worked so long and actually like we're a functioning and society lasted. and lasted. And look at the results. Like 
like you said, yeah. we do not have a perfect society, but we do have, have a pretty freaking good one. The best one that's ever existed. And that's existed. why it's so offensive to me when people like Beta O'Rourke go around saying, like questioning its very existence. Under the guise of progress. Yeah. That's like, and what? he's not, and the, and the sad part is, is he's not the only one. No. You know, how many times do we see politicians running around proposing things that like we believe or we know violate the Constitution or who just want to rip apart the Bill of Rights and just think it's it's like not a big deal. Like it is a big deal. And to me, that's what like this whole thing about embracing shared knowledge is all about is it's, you know, these have been our guiding principles for a long time mm-hmm. and I'm not about to give up on them. And I don't think anyone should, least of all people running for elected office. Yep. So. And I think it's really easy to, to think through a framework that really blinds us to the past. Mm-hmm. We have blinders to the past and past problems and things that have been tried and tried again, failed and perfected, which make up the basic uh, contents of what, you know, is passed down tradition mm-hmm. from society to society, culture to culture. Anyways, um, there's an awesome quote that my husband brought up when I was telling him we were doing this episode, <laughs> and it's by G.K. Chesterton, and it says – or he is quoted saying, tradition is the democracy of the dead. And I just think that's so poetic. It is. But then again, he was sort of a poet, wasn't he? <laughs> um, I, Christina, if you're done, I might just jump into mine. Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> um, so I have a journey into conservatism. Um, when I first got really involved with just politics in general, I came in very much like a compassionate, compassionate conservative mm-hmm. under George Bush. Um, that was so in vogue back that then. Was so in vogue. But like, I really liked how, um, even as a teenager, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like when people like illegal immigrants cross the border, like what are we going to do? Ship them back? That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. Let's like welcome them in. Like, let's put some good systems in place to like integrate them into society, whatever. So as I went to college, I got really sucked into like the libertarian crowd. I was very much an Ayn Rand person. So So was I. I was huge (laughs) into individualism and rationality. Knowing yes, knowing rationality, that's a word, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, no one can tell me what to do. I am in and of myself like what I should be focused on and I should achieve my greatest goals. And anyone who would tell me otherwise is like a bad person. So anyways, that is not necessarily applicable (laughs) in the real world um, because there are rules, but I liked being a little rebel. And once I came up to DC for my first job and I started meeting other conservatives, they started questioning me on those things. And I started poking holes through some of these, these arguments that I had built up in my head. Um, and it's, and I've evolved over the years because, um, now, especially now. And when I look back over my childhood, I realized how important social safety nets were for my family. Um, but more importantly, um, I've converted to Catholicism over the last couple years and leading up to that, um, doing a lot of reading, I just realized that the tenets of loving your neighbors and supporting your family and 
Uh, Christina, you mentioned this earlier, like the Ten Commandments being tradition for a reason. Um, you know, honoring your father and mother, all these things, and being part of a community are so important to not only a society thriving, but an individual thriving and feeling like you have a place in society um, in general. So my view on conservatism, and it it goes back to what Amanda was talking about, um, it really comes down to a belief in fundamental institutions and rules. And and I would use the Constitution as a guideline for that, since we're just talking about American politics, but um, as our rough framework for these are the rules of society. This is the rules for how our government will function. And it leaves a lot of a lot of room for the individual to go out and prosper. Now, it wasn't a perfect document. We have amended it over the years, but the founders also gave us the tools to amend that where necessary. And I just believe that God gave us all free will to act on our own accord and that um, within reason... We shouldn't be putting rule, unnecessary burdening rules on our neighbors that would restrict them from doing, acting in their own best interest mm-hmm. is basically kind of where I come yeah. down on it. So that definitely is a little bit more, definitely a lot of libertarian vibes in there. But um, with the traditional conservatism, I really do respect institutions and rules that have been passed down from generation to generation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just kind of gets back to the whole, your life should revolve as much as possible around your local communities and your local families, organizations that you're a part of. And as little as possible, it should revolve around the centralized government in Washington, DC, you know, And I think at the end of the day, like, that really is what it's about. And, like, where do we find our place in the world as American citizens? Like, are we – do we find our value and our – do we define ourselves as Americans by who is in the White House and what our government is doing or by what we do every day uh, separate from those things? And, like, who we interact with and who our friends are and what organizations we're a part of – that to me is stuff that matters so much more than like who is in the Oval Office. Yeah. You know? I mean, ideally that should be the case. Except I know. We live in a world now that it, it revolves so much around who is in office mm-hmm. and things like that. I mean, the government has expanded so much in the last I know. 70 but some years. But that's what I in part like I'm mourning. Like I think it's sad and um, – I just think it's really sad that like that 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 is the case. You yeah, know, that it really what? matters so much. This is an important and point it does. that we need to break out. What? The expansion of the government under both parties. Yeah. Oh, for we, sure. Conservatism in its in its full scope is not necessarily limited just to no. the Republican Party. No, in no, fact, no. um there have been plenty of times where it's diverged. So I think it's really important to make that distinction when when conservatism is used a lot in the news. It's it's synonymous usually, with the Republican. It's Party. synonymous with the Republican Party, but it also is kind of like also lumped in with the far right wing, mm-hmm. which 
is very offensive to me. Yeah, which is not really conservative <laughs> either. It's not at all. <laughs> um, so, and I know that if depending on what like political science matrix you're looking mm-hmm. at, technically it would put it in like a far right corner. Conservatism, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'd be, it would definitely be on the right side. Or on the right side, not in the corner or anything like that. But yeah. it really has been twisted over the last decade, two decades. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, like the left has their extremists as well. Like we would put communism and socialism in the left. Yeah. Part of the box. Although, although today's, today's, a lot of today's Democrats might not think that's a bad thing, which is also unfortunate. Um, Obviously, they've but, never taken a history class. Yeah, but you're exactly right. Like conservatism does not is not defined by a political party, and, and I do think it's important to it's like, like classical liberalism. Yeah, I think it's important to make that distinction, if if for no other reason than to dispel a myth that's out there. Like you might be listening to this thinking, like I can't be conservative because I don't want to vote GOP, and I've never voted GOP, and therefore I'm not a conservative. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. I'm not a party line voter at all. I yeah generally vote for a living in the state of Maryland. I mean, sorry to say it, but a lot of the people that run for office for higher elected office are mm-hmm. terrible candidates. Yeah. They do not put up good candidates. So I generally vote for Democrats when yeah. it comes down to it because I at least know Which their makes sense. Yeah. Their constituent services are really good depending mm-hmm. on the office, but like, our senators have really good constituent services. They care about the community. They do become very active mm-hmm. when it's things affecting Marylanders, which is all that really matters. That's what they're there for. Well, exactly. Which that's their job, and their first focus should be yeah, like you can't say that about all of them. I mean, at no. least in Maryland, neither one of them are, are running for president. So, <laughs> so they might actually be focused on doing their job. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, what else do you guys think we should talk about with conservatism? I hope that's a pretty good rundown of what it means for each of us. This is what it's, it's a good rundown. I think it's important to kind of break out some of the taboo groups that people associate mm-hmm. with the right. The alt-right. The alt-right. It's a um, very obvious one. Um, I don't consider them conservative at all. At all. They just shouldn't be considered like human beings. Yeah, they yeah. shouldn't. I mean, they shouldn't be like, they're not, well, they're not in the mainstream, but I it bugs me how much attention they get. Yeah. Um, well, it's because that's what most of the media wants to focus on is the negativity as, like out there. They don't care about, you know, us. They, they care about the people that are out there, you know. Making horrible statements. Yeah, doing hate crimes and being terrible people. And organizing, like, white nationalist rallies. And being the reason why the Gillette ad ever had to even take place. Exactly. Like that in the world on both sides. Yeah. Yeah, no, and and, and you reminded me of, like, another good point that that kept coming up when I was reading about conservatism or trying to read about conservatism is that, like, conservatives are not afraid to acknowledge that there are bad people in the world, and that's just, like, it's not that we just want to throw up our hands and say, there's nothing we can do. But at the end of the day, like bad people and bad actors are going to exist. And that doesn't mean that we just need to blow everything up. It just means like, again, we need to be the best that we can be and let us pursue our freedoms and our rights and be the best that we can be. And like, you know, stop trying to engineer social society to get rid of all evil because that's Mm -hmm. never going to happen. Yes. And stop trying to use the government to central, you know, plan and like engineer away evil. 
um, because it's just not going to happen. Like the alt-right, it's probably never going to go away. Yeah. Neither will, you know, horrible dictators who murder their citizens. Like it's just – it's never going to not exist. Um, but it doesn't – that doesn't mean that we need a top-down heavy government to try to like fix all that stuff. Because we're not going to be able to. We can't play God yeah, exactly. in that kind of way. And it will exactly. never work. It will backfire. Um, and um, there are enough of, enough of us out there calling out these bad actors that, you know, hopefully it'll sink in at some point that the alt-right is not, you know, part of the conservative um, circle. Well, the but, problem is getting voices heard. I mean, you you see, like, they'll put super crazy people on MSNBC and CNN and say they're mm-hmm. – the conservative voice of their programming and it's not true it's a problem it's a problem for sure yeah i mean and not to even say like i mean fox is bad with their i mean Mm -hmm. i don't want to knock it but like i'm not a huge fan of most of the programming on fox news i don't even watch mainstream news anymore i mean there's a lot yeah there's a lot of blame to go around yeah genuinely stay away from yeah. Cable news. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely a lot of bad or a lot of blame to go around of just why there's so many bad stereotypes out there. Yeah. And you know what? Um, there is a show note in here that I just want to pull out because I want to talk about it a little bit more. Um, it's in a form of a question. Why is conservatism a natural enemy of socia- socialism and uh. communism? Nice segue. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think because of everything we've talked about, like, I mean, I'll just take a first stab at it. But, like, if, if conservatism is all about protecting the individual against the powers of the state, then, you like, you can't be a communist, right? Because, like, communism and socialism, socialism is all about, A, the rights of the collective over the individual and, B, giving the power to the government to distribute goods and services and and wealth from the top down from the top down so it's a natural enemy of those two things right i just feel like that's important to break out because i know it's very in vogue right now to be a socialist socialist and Mm -hmm. it's been glamorous portrayals in all of the magazines it's also very alarming all of Mm -hmm. that kind of I yeah. mean, I just, I'm just sure. Just go to Cosmopolitan and search for that on their website, and I'm sure you'll find a bajillion articles about like why you need to be a socialist. Yeah. yeah. Well, when when Thanks. all these media companies and publications are like deifying people like Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, like you can't deify these people and put them on, you know, all these platforms and put them on a pedestal and like not also endorse socialism. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they have endorsed socialism. Yeah. You know? I mean, so, like, it, yeah, it's very alarming. Like, this is the message that a lot of people in the media are sending. I mean, it's, the world. it's crazy because the type of, um, like, the type of tax rates that they're looking at, that is theft. That is 100% theft yeah. from American citizens because it is literally going to be redistributed through, you know, through yeah. social programs, which nonprofits – I mean, we didn't even, we haven't even touched on it, but nonprofits could take over these things because people want to be philanthropic. People want to give money. You could have nonprofits take over parts of what the government is doing Mm -hmm. so that we can actually spend money on things that are needed. Mm -hmm. No, 100% agree. Yeah. And like, listen, I'm not a rich person, but you think I'm going to be okay with 
70% or north of 70% of my paycheck going mm-hmm. directly to the government or no. 100% in like 100% you know, not. the extreme situations. Um, hell to the nose. Yeah, and, and honestly, like it's not – it doesn't make it better when, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is saying, oh, no, 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 no. I'm only talking about the people who make $10 million a year. Well, guess what? Like I want to be that person someday. Like, so does everybody. Anybody who goes to work every day ultimately wants to be a multimillionaire, right? Like, yeah. let's just be real. And so even if she's standing there saying, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the evil rich person who's underpaying the townspeople. Well, A, I don't know what you're talking about. But B, like, I want to be a really rich person one day. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to say it. I don't think that's like no, that. I don't think that like should Scrooge. be. No, I mean, like, like, I don't think that should be taboo. Like, we all want success. We all strive for financial success. And I'm sorry, but when I get there, if I get there, I'm not about to, like, let you just take 70% of my income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, people that make that money give back to the communities more so than, you know. Well, because most. they have the means to do it. Yeah. I mean, I had read a book a few years ago and I wish I had it, but it was by Arthur Brooks and it was, um, I think it's called The Conservative Heart. Mm-hmm. And it's about conservatives being more philanthropic than anybody else. Oh, yeah. The fact that, you know, and I don't make much money, but I donate hundreds of dollars a year to different charities. I mean, yeah. most of the time because I see like kittens stuck and then I like <laughs> sobbing and I'm giving money to like cats. On Facebook, oh my I, mean, I donate to different organizations because I feel that it's the right thing to do. I may not have a lot of money, but at least the money mm-hmm. that I can spare, I'm giving it to good causes that I know good things will come. Right, and but, and think of what you would do if you were making ten million dollars a year. Exactly. You know, we all we all want that American success story, but how does that how is that going to change our views of success when we're told once you get to the top or once you achieve it, like be ready to fork it all over? Yeah, because then you have people that are unwilling to give any more. Yeah. And I think time, money, whatever. Yeah. People don't take the next step and think through what happens logically next. Um, Okay, so we take all this money from the rich people. Now what? Yeah. You're trusting bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. to write programs to somehow make your life better. To responsibly allocate that money and redistribute it? Uh, yeah. To me, th- that is such a pipe dream. It's like, no, it's no. What do you think they're going to do? Magically yeah. sprinkle some fairy dust and you'll have the job of your dreams and you'll start be making magically enough money to where they don't take it all. Yeah. Plus, it also just kind of boggles my mind. Like, I see this huge irony in like liberals who constantly talk about how intrinsically evil our government has been for so long and like the systemic racism and the like. horrible and the patriarchy and the horrible things that like our government has been but in the same breath they'll talk about how we need to rely more on it like we need to just give them more like this evil government entity that has like like done all these awful things to american citizens and minorities like over the last hundred years like okay but like we need to give them more of our money because they are, they know exactly what to do with it. Yeah. Do you know case, what I, like? Do you see the irony there? It's like they don't realize that the patriarchy and the elite run the government too. <laughs> it's, it's like, like okay. who do you think is going to make these decisions with all your money? Like these, I mean, to me, it just like boggles my mind. And like, yes, like we need more women in government. Like, yes, that could take care of some of the patriarchy argument. But it's it still, 
doesn't make any sense to me that we would put so much trust in this entity that is also supposedly like done so many horrible things. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. I don't know about you guys, but I don't trust anybody. <laughs> don't tread on me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We should make mugs that say that. <laughs> don't tread on us. Yes. Hey, I've never seen that before. (laughs) I saw this really funny meme. It was (laughs) this guy. He was holding up a sign and it says, build the wall around my house. I don't (laughs) like anybody. (laughs) That's me in the morning before I've had my coffee. No, you don't say. Oh, goodness, you guys know I'm terrible. This is why we do these in the evening. Exactly. (laughs) I know, uh, Christina, I don't know if I told you this, but the other day, Sarah was like, should we just meet at like 7 a.m. to record? And I was like, heck no. (laughs) I'm always too optimistic. (laughs) I don't even get out of bed before. Yeah, there's no way. (laughs) Absolutely no way. On a weekday, no less. Yeah. Well, this was a great conversation. Thank you guys all for tuning in. As always, please leave us a rating and a review on whatever streaming device you're listening through. Um, Also, if you follow us on Twitter or Facebook, please write to us or email us. Uh, We really want to hear from you what you think we got right, what we got wrong, what you want to hear from us. We want to make this a little bit more interactive. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we would love to do a segment soon on just questions that we get fielded from. Yeah, and so on that note, our email address that you can reach us at is hello at nyafpod.com. You should send lots of cat questions. Lots of cat questions. Um, Ask us anything, really. We'll filter the bad ones out, maybe. Um, (laughs) Those will be the good ones. Yeah, for keeping it all in. (laughs) Yeah, again, that is hello at nyafpod.com. We would love to hear from you. And y'all have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye.